Sentire Media. Ciao a tutti and welcome to Venice Talks, a podcast series about Venice in Italy. My name is Monica Cesarato and I am a Venetian food and travel blogger. I'm going to put my insider knowledge at your disposal to help you discover Venice at 360 degrees. Each week I will be chatting to the people who really matter, the Venetian. So follow me on the discovery of his artisans, writers, fashion designers, artists, glassmakers, bloggers and much, much more. Come to visit Venice the right and sustainable way. You can find me on my blog www.monicacesarato.com and also on all social media. Enjoy the episode! Welcome back to Venice Talks, episode number 14. This episode is sponsored by Cooking Venice, cooking lessons, dinners and food tours in Venice. You can find them at www.cookinvenice.com. Welcome back to Venice Talks and today my guest is Gregory Dowling, renowned author and professor at the University of Venice. Hi Gregory, how are you? Hi, I'm fine, thank you. Very good to be with you, Monica. Thank you. And thank you so much for giving me your time because I know you're really, really, really busy all the time. Above all, <clears throat> between school and writing and everything. Yeah. So let's uh, explain to everybody who is Gregory Dowling, first of all. Oh, you. You, you want me no? to explain? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, I want you to say who you are. <laughs> okay, I'm... Uh, I teach American literature at Kafoskari University. Mm-hmm. I've been in Venice now for 41 years. Wow. Uh, and I, um, I also write, when I can, I write um, novels, thrillers. Yeah, and you're very well known for those, maybe probably more than teaching, maybe, or not? Uh, <laughs> I don't think I'm very well known. <laughs> oh, you are, you, know, you are. Come on, you are one of the most Venice. famous in Venice. Come on, you <laughs> definitely are. Okay. So... You got, okay, let's start from uh, your work at university. So you actually came here 41 years ago. Uh, yes, 1981. I oh my God. How, how yeah. did you end up in Venice? Um, I wanted a year abroad. Oh, that's <laughs> a long year. <laughs> well, actually, no, I, mean, I came to Italy in 1979. Okay. Um, after, really, just pretty well, very soon after graduating mm-hmm. university. And I decided I wanted to spend a year teaching abroad. And so I, Got a job in a language school in, in first in Naples, mm-hmm. and then I went to Siena, mm-hmm. and then I went to Verona, and then I was after I'd been teaching in Verona for a, a year and a half. I thought to myself, I suppose I ought to go back to England and get a proper job, a real job. Uh-huh. Uh, but if I could just have one year in Venice, and so I applied to a language school in Venice, uh-huh. and, they, and they took me on, and, and then I and there I was. I once you get to Venice, it's impossible to get away. Yeah, I think it is some, <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's so interesting how many people mm-hmm. I've known that actually have moved to Venice and yeah. they say, oh, yeah, I will go and do this and do that. And mm-hmm. then you just stay there. It's well, like a, a door you, closes. It makes you unsuited to live anywhere else. Because <laughs> <laughs> do you think it's because there are no cars? So you kind of, of take it things. easy? Yes, yes. Everywhere else has these great big things, metal things on wheels that go around uh-huh. the streets. And, um, and you know, when you live in Venice after a while, you're, just, you're no longer used to these things. Yeah, I, th- I think <laughs> you, you, you get lazy, don't you? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I, it's, it's really interesting how many expats and not just expats, even Italians that come and live in Venice and then end up doing that, finding it harder and harder just even to take day trips out of a, of, of, of a town, actually. So, mm-hmm. and how did you get a job at a university then? Um, well, I was teaching language at, the, uh, at a language school. And then somebody, after a couple of years, a friend told me there was a post going for language teaching um, at the university. So I applied and they they took me on. Mm-hmm. And then I <laughs> uh, and, and I knew I wanted to teach literature. So it took me a very long time. Uh, but eventually I managed to worm my way into the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but in Italy it's not easy at all. It's, uh... it's, 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 it takes a long time. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things is, I mean, I've been assigned as a language teacher to the American section. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and because there were no Americans uh, yeah. available to teach language. So, um, uh, and essentially, as I realized that basically the Italian university system is a feudal system, at least it was then, I think it has changed greatly. Mm-hmm. At the time it was feudal and, you know, that they were i baroni. Yes. The barons. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, my only hope of uh, advancement or, you know, making a career would be to have the support of a baron. Mm. So I took the pragmatic decision of a that I would I want to teach literature I would have to teach you know I would have to concern myself with American literature because my Mm. barons um, (laughs) were American (laughs) in American literature and so uh, I began you know publishing articles here and there on American poets and uh, Uh and eventually won a concorso and And when was when was this it, I didn't win a concourse until 1999. So, oh, wow. Took a yeah. long time. So I was yeah, but I, I just saw, saw the, the people were listening to us, Italian, mm-hmm. uh, you know, concourse events, this kind of competition to get a job in oh, yes, the public yes, system. Yes. It's uh, like a farce sometimes, as in uh, they already know who's going to go. So it, it's very hard yeah. to pass for that reason. Not because people are not good. It's because you need to have the right people behind. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I honestly do think that Foscari has changed a great deal over the years um uh and I you know I mean when I started at Foscari all of my colleagues were um had had done you know everybody was from Foscari yes they were they'd done their first degree they'd done their masters they'd done their Mm -hmm. PhD at Foscari but now I teach in a department where you know at least half of my um colleagues are from not only from other cities but from other countries oh that's I mean, nice obviously i'm teaching in in the language you know i am in the of course um, department of languages but you know the, i'm surrounded it's a very very international field and that's, uh, that's good but i think in general university has has had to change to yeah, keep up yeah. with uh, uh, you know mm. international universities and mm. uh, you know italy has changed so oh, definitely, i think yeah, in, yeah. slowly slowly very yeah. slowly but you know we're talking about a system that was there for centuries so mm-hmm. it wasn't I don't think it was very easy to change even though I didn't like it I, I, you know, <laughs> I think but uh, and so and how come you haven't managed to go into English literature then um well <laughs> I think once you're you know once you've got a post in to, to change to uh, I mean I, I I'm very happy teaching American okay 
I'm happy okay. to teach American literature. I, you know, I would, I'm also very equally interested in English literature. And for example, I'm, you know, I, I specialize in the romantic poets, Byron. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's sort of, if you like, it's a kind of hobby because I'm officially, I am not a professor of English literature, uh -huh. but I'm very happy to be teaching the, the, uh, the American authors I do teach. Uh -huh. and so be able to to bring in English literature when it's necessary. Uh -huh. um, before we talk about your books, you just mentioned Byron. And if I'm not wrong, uh, I think it was during the lockdown last time we spoke, or yeah. maybe last year, I can't remember which interview, you mentioned to me about Lord Byron Museum or uh, some kind of foundation. Yeah, Am yeah. I right? Yes, mm -hmm. how is that going? That is going, um, <laughs> that was due to open... Um, uh, I look sometimes at my um, uh, CV where, you know, I have, among other things, I mentioned the fact that I'm on this board for this new museum. Mm -hmm. and every year I have to change the date of the of the imminent opening of the Byron Museum. Sounds like me and my <laughs> upcoming book in English. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, uh, you know, various things have happened. Then, of course, COVID came along. Yeah, of course. But it now should open in 2023. Okay. Well, so next year, you know, next year the museum will be open. I'm going to Ravenna this um, this weekend, and I'll be able to see just what stage the museum is at. And I'm looking forward to that because oh, um, that's good. So it's in Ravenna in Emilia Romagna. It's in Ravenna, yeah, because yeah, Byron not... lived, Byron lived in Ravenna for two years from okay. 1819 to 1821, and so it's in the palazzo where Byron lived for those two years. Oh, very nice. Is this going to be a civic museum, a state museum? What kind of museum is it going to be private? Uh, it's, it's, it's funded by the um, Fondazione della Casa di Risparmio di Ravenna. So the Savings ah. Bank of Ravenna is the main sponsor of this museum. And it's okay. going to be the museum, both of the, it's of the Risorgimento and of Lord Byron. Okay. Which makes okay. sense because Byron was heavily involved with the Carbonari, for example. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, half of the museum will, I mean, there already is a museum, Museo del Risorgimento in, in Ravenna, mm -hmm. um, but it's in a rather cramped, um, uh, uh, you know, it's in, it's in a rather cramped Location. building. And they'll yeah. now be able to move into this much splendid palazzo and expand the museum. Okay. And the floor devoted to Lord Byron. And what can we expect to find then uh, in, the, in the museum for, of Lord, Lord Byron, sorry? <clears throat> so there's very little um, of Lord, there's very little that was there at the time of Lord Byron, in the sense that the building has gone up through many hands. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, so most of the furnishings, etc., were sold off over the years for a mm -hmm. long time. It was a military barracks. Ah, okay. Um, but the, uh, the library of Ravenna, the, um, La Biblioteca Classense has the holdings of Teresa Guiccioli, who mm -hmm. was and of the Guic the Gamba family. This this was Byron's mistress, the woman he was in love with. The reason he went to Ravenna, mm -hmm. um, and uh, she collected the Byron memorabilia. And so there is those holdings will be transferred from the Biblioteca Classense to the new museum. Oh, and that's, that's nice. A number of documents, number of. Um, um, memory, you know, including, for example, fragments of Lord Byron's sunburnt skin. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that's a bit Very uh, creepy. <laughs> when we tell people, usually this is the, the the one item that everybody remembers and everybody wants to see. 
also because, gosh, I mean. But there are many oh, other. Then we've been collecting as much Byron material as we have, you know, first editions of his works, um, um, Byron's traveling case, all sorts. Mm -hmm. of, you know, there's, there's, um, there's also going to be a virtual part, virtual part of the museum where we recreate, um, you know, using modern technology. Uh -huh. uh, uh, you know, certain ambiences, and we give an idea of Byron's life, etc. Cool. And, and the, the main, the other thing is that it will be the headquarters of the Italian Byron Society. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay, that's good. So uh, the people that study Byron and, uh, you study know, Byron, research yeah. and everything. Yeah. Did you we've actually... already held um, a couple, you know, we've held international conferences mm -hmm. there in Ravenna, not in the Palazzo, but um, in Ravenna itself. And mm -hmm. And once the palazzo, you know, we'll then be able to host events there as well now. Mm -hmm. Was there any materials that you managed to find here in Venice as well, that you managed to bring over or not? Not, no, because there was nothing. I mean, um, Palazzo Mocenigo, the, um, where Byron lived for three years in mm -hmm. Grand Canal, um, there was nothing of Byron's left there, I'm afraid. Okay. So, yeah, oh, that's a pity. Uh, okay that's uh that's actually i can't wait well i, I said that last time i can't wait <laughs> but uh you know okay uh it'd be like my book okay wh when he's ready let me know <laughs> no i definitely 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 also because ravenna is a beautiful beautiful city it's a lovely city yeah and, and yeah. he was linked for so many years to venice as well so it's that's uh true. you know yeah yeah yeah, and the history and everything is yeah. so important yeah, yeah. okay so now let's talk about gregory as uh, a writer when did you write your first novel? Ah, uh, my first novel came out in 1985, um, but I wrote most of it in 1982. Um, mm. Then it took a long time to find a publisher, etc. And um, and so, yeah, that came out um, in 90. So I was pretty young at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a novel I wrote it when I was living in Verona. Okay. Um, but it's entirely set in England. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> time, I didn't feel confident enough to set a novel in, in, in Italy. You know, the, the country I had just moved to, and I didn't feel conf confident mm -hmm. enough to write about Italians, etc. Mm -hmm. And then my second novel was set in Naples. Mm -hmm. um, so I was already feeling a little more <laughs> confident. confident. And that's the only one of my novels that actually has been translated into uh, Italian. Oh, right. Okay. Interesting. And, and in Neapolitan Publishing House, just oh, okay. a series of novels by foreigners about Naples. Okay. That's um, interesting. And, that and then out. how did you get into Alvise? Uh, well, I published four thrillers uh, between in the eight, 1980s and 1990s mm -hmm. um, with the idea that I was going to go on doing them. But uh, then I had a novel that was well, then I tried a children's novel, mm -hmm. and, um, and unfortunately, I wrote a kind of fantasy novel, uh, and it was the wrong moment because uh, it was a novel that talked about things like wizards. And oops, the, and the publishers came to me and said, "You know, this is the 1990s. You know, children today aren't interested in wizards." Yeah, <laughs> so, and then, uh, and then, and then, <laughs> yeah, Harry but, um, that, that, put, that put an end to that. So. Um, uh, and I thought to myself, well, what I've really got to do is consolidate my academic career because I couldn't justify the time I was devoting to writing mm. the 
what I was actually earning from it at that moment. I wasn't earning any. Yeah, of course. No, because it's really funny. People think it's so interesting how people think when you write a book, all of a sudden you make loads of money. Uh, No. Uh, Nope. 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 (laughs) At all. Okay, mm. I can confirm. But your your Baccaro novel is, is there is going to be an English edition of the of the. Uh, it's like your museum at the moment. Right. Okay. <laughs> so the, so has the it been actual... translated or is it? No, no, it's been translated. The translation translated. is sitting in the in the computer of my publisher. The problem oh, right, is right, that right. Uh, yeah. just as he was finally convinced that he was going to print it in mm. English, the mm. war started and you know paper price has gone up so much, oh, and God. he decided that he wants to wait. A a little bit longer but he's yeah. commissioned me another two books so that's oh, well, quite that's good yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and uh, he promised me these two will come out both but i see english. you know i keep seeing on twitter there's a demand for the english edition so. i know <laughs> i keep telling him you know he said that about a month ago he said to me okay i'm gonna get uh, a quote mm-hmm. to see how much it's gonna cost me but i don't want to stress him too much i'm waiting for the two thousand copies uh, numbers right. to, to 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 go and then i'll i'll go back on the attack but right. back <laughs> to what you were saying to me so you were um, you decided that you couldn't carry on just writing. I had to make, you know, consolidate my academic. I mean, I had to become more than just a lettore. I was a lettore mm-hmm. at the universities teaching oh, language, okay. which, um, you know, wasn't enough to, to keep a family. Yeah, of course. One, and so I, fa- second, also a bit boring, if I can say no. Sorry? A bit boring as well, just being a, you know, a reader, a lettore, you know, exactly. It's not exactly as teaching, is it? Well, it wasn't. I mean, I didn't mind the teaching. I mean, it, it was just, it just wasn't um, financially very remunerative. Mm. <laughs> so I, I needed to, you know, I so I devoted myself to publishing, academic um, work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I thought that would just be very temporary, but in fact, it turned out to be twenty years before I returned oh, wow. to novel writing. And then when I returned to novel writing, I decided I needed to do something completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, Partly because, you know, I'd publish novels that uh, my idea was I was always writing contemporary novels, but it was I just was just struck by how quickly a contemporary novel becomes dated. I know. Just to give a simple example, I had a novel which was all about the one the one I mentioned set in Naples. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was all about people trying to get their hands on a cassette tape, (laughs) um, which had the recording of a, a murder being commissioned. You know, and, and the, the cover of the novel in the Italian, the English cover had a, a this very beautiful image of a, of a cassette tape with blood pouring out of it. Mm-hmm. But of course, um, just a few years on, nobody knew what a cassette tape exactly. was. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. So I thought problem. to myself, if I set a novel that's already in the past, that's already dated, then it can't date. You see. Exactly. Yeah, they can't uh, say anything. I thought I have, you know, and I was also, I've always loved historical fiction, so I thought I'd have a go myself. And um, I didn't want to go too far back in time because I wasn't sure I could get into the mind of somebody in the Middle Ages, for example. Mm-hmm. But I thought with the 18th century, um, you know, these are people who've been through the Enlightenment, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and there's so much material. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and particularly in Venice, you can read Goldoni's plays, you can read Casanova's memoirs. Yeah, you, you can find so much. Yeah, you get a sense yeah. of, the, of the age and the, the way people thought. Yeah, you can get a lot of material where you can double check and say, is this correct? Is, is yeah. this not correct? Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I, so I went for the 18th century and, uh, had an 18, and a hero who was half, who was English-Italian, English-Venetian, yeah. let's say, Anglo-Venetian. 
Yeah, that's good. He's his mother. His parents were Venetian, but his mother was an was an actress and moved to England when he was a small child. So he grew up in England, and so he's bilingual in English uh -huh. and Venetian, um, and that gives me the possibility of, you know, both writing for an English audience, but with, mm -hmm. with a hero who also understands Venice because he's heard about it through his mother, etc. And then he, in Venice, he's a guy, he's a teacher or a name. It makes uh, me actually, I find it so interesting because the other day I was reading, mm -hmm. I cannot remember which book, uh, one that uh, a friend suggested, I read, I read all about Venice. And he was actually mentioning the fact that the, the first tourist guides were born in Venice. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. at, uh, at the Hotel Luna Baglioni where the, that he was mm -hmm. a, uh, like a Templar uh, accommodation. Mm -hmm. And they were taking the pilgrims around uh, the city of Venice. Right. <laughs> and I yeah, thought yeah, that was yeah. so interesting. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, wow, exactly, exactly the same. So yeah. that's, that's very good. But how hard is, um, uh, you know, because you say you did your research and everything, but how is it to set a novel in the past? Because, uh, you know, as you were saying, you got to think also as somebody from 200 years ago would have thought. Yeah. Um, 300. Well, yes, you know, I, you can't make your hero too woke, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> They've got to have the, um, the, 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 the kind of prejudices, etc., that they would have had at the time. Um, uh, one of the things I have to do is I, I try to avoid too many contemporary colloquial expressions. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not trying to reproduce 18th century speech, mm -hmm. but I don't want to make it sound... Um, you know, anachronistic either. So yeah, like is a thing. I don't. For example, I don't allow. I don't allow Alvise to say "okay," for example. Yeah. Of you course, know, of course. Certain things like that. And the other thing I did was, um, well, in the second, because I had one or two criticisms, sometimes simply by readers on Amazon when the first mm -hmm. novel came out, who said that occasionally he used, um, you know, language that didn't seem natural for an 18th century mm -hmm. um i um, i invent in i introduced this little preface to the second novel in which i myself as the author said that i had discovered these um store these I, i'd gone to the archives mm -hmm. and I found these um uh these confessions of this Alvise Marangon, who was a guide, but also a spy, okay. there in the archives, and I've been translating them. So that explains why they're written in, you know, contemporary English rather right, than... Right, okay. Um, That's smart. <laughs> <laughs> but the interesting thing is, so many people have come, you know, have said to me, you know, you know I'm amazed that you discovered these, you know, <laughs> these archive material, and how did you find it, etc.? You know, I thought I was using a kind of literary device that's fairly common. You know, you invent. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, it's, it's brilliant. Fiction. It's fiction. It's intended. To be and it's very interesting that he's a spy because, of course, uh, I don't know if people know this, but Venice yeah. was uh, a country that was yeah, like, yeah. oh, my God. Also spy. invented the, um, yeah, you might say the, the, the modern spy system yeah i know I'm, I'm, re I'm reading at the moment uh, uh, um, la repubblica del leone di alvise zorzi at the moment right. and it's yeah. uh, rereading it but uh is uh it's so interesting you know when you read certain things and venice did you know the first beast the first there and then uh, how quickly people yeah. forgot about yeah, yeah. 
the achievement of a Republic of Venice. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's good. So how many novels did you actually write about with Alvise as a uh, main character? Well, unfortunately, only two so far. Okay, but you <laughs> I mean, are... Oh. I'm writing a third, yeah. Oh, the, that's good. Um, I did the, another book I think I ought to mention that was very helpful. There's a book by um, an, um, a scholar called Joanna Giordano, Mm -hmm. which is um, called Venice's Secret Service, Organising Intelligence in the Renaissance. Cool. Um, unfortunately, that came out after my first book had, had come out. But, you know, I, um, I've been reading, it's been very, it was very helpful for my second book. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a wonderful book um, uh, that I, you know, I do recommend to people yeah. who are interested in this subject. Um, yeah, unfortunately, my second novel, The Four Horsemen, didn't do as well in sales as the first one, um, even though a lot of people have told me they preferred it. They thought it was mm. better than the first one. Um, but, you know, publishers go by sales and, mm. oh, yeah. and they decided not to commission a third one. Okay. Um, and that sort of um, um, blocked me um, because one of the problems is uh, if, you, you know, you can look for another publisher, but it's very unlikely that another publisher will want to take on a series begun with a different publisher. Of course, yeah, because you have yeah, all they... the rights problems. No, I mean, that's not, it's not actually a problem of rights. I, I now have the rights. Ah, the rights okay. Have, you know, my, my agent has managed to arrange that the rights have returned to me. Oh, that's good. But quite simply, you know, publishers like to establish their own, you know, this is our series. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Then if you want to go and do another trilogy, another whatever, yeah, just do yeah. somebody else. So, this is mine. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, but... um. Uh, you know, so for a while, I, I, I was trying to, I thought I would try and write something completely different. I had two ideas. One was a novel set in um, the 1930s, you know, oh, in fascist nice. Venice. Nice. Another one was set in 19th century, in which I'd bring in um, a hero who was the, the illegitimate son of Lord Byron. Oh, cool. <laughs> that would have been nice. Yeah, they're both nice ideas. But then for some reason, I, I couldn't. Get the, basically, I wanted to stay with Alvise. Let's say Alvise was still in your mind, and he had Alvise a lot of still, still to mind. say. Does so it? I've decided I'm going to write a third Alvise novel. Okay. Whatever, and um, good, and, and whatever. It's going. I'm going to write it, and if nobody, you know, I'm going to find a publisher, or it, or it's going to, I'm going to publish it. so you I mean, enough people have told me they want to read a third Alvise. Of course, it's worth doing. So. Yeah. Uh, so, how, how far in the book are you at the moment? Not very far. Not very ah, far. Okay. Started, the title. I started in the summer. I started in the summer. And, ah, okay. Um, and then I've had a very busy um, uh, first first half of this semester. So, uh, are you like me and Philip? Uh, we are the gods of procrastination. Absolutely. Ah, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, you make, you, when I, I, I have, speak to you guys, I feel I mean, so I've much a, better. You know, I've been, I've had articles and essays and things and conference. And I have a conference this week on Shelley, which Ooh, is taking place in Bologna and Ravenna. Um, and after that, I think <laughs> I then have a kind, you know, apart from my teaching, I then have, I should then have some free time for my own writing. Yeah, I, I, I know the feeling. I mean, it's uh, usually, I keep saying to my editor, you can't just say to me, spring mm. 23, give me a date. Yeah. <laughs> spring 23 yeah. for me means everything or nothing <laughs> yeah 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 so um when you uh, uh, just this is for me as a, i'm very interested in this when you actually do your research for the book 
do you actually um do you read also other uh, people that wrote other thrillers and stuff like that or do you do your research more on the historical side I mean, I, I do read thrillers because I like reading thrillers. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, you like Philippe. Uh, Philippe. You, um, you, you, you like the, the genre. I like the genre. Um, but I, for example, I, uh, there was a, I've come across two other writers who have written thrillers set in the 18th, set in Venice in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided, I read one and I quite enjoyed it, but I decided not to read any more, at least until I feel, because I was afraid of being, um, influenced influenced and, and not being doing my own stuff you know and I of course so I decided I thought it better not you know of course um, you know I, I mean I might go back to them but at the moment I, I think I want to be sure that what I'm doing is my own mm-hmm. and that, um, uh, but you know I, I, I'm, I'm obviously also influenced by other th- you know thrillers I read which are of not course. set in 18th century Venice etc but you know you you read to, for writers to see um, you know, I, I just find things like you know how to structure a plot, this kind of thing. You can yeah. you can only f- um, learn these things by by reading as widely as possible. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think also the, uh, the the subject has been covered by pretty much so many people. Yeah. But um, I mean, unless you are uh, another uh, Agatha Christie or another, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, it's not easy to to to, to change uh, to do so much different, but. Still, Venice, I think, is such a... We were talking yesterday with... Uh, no, a couple of days ago. With Philip, we were saying mm-hmm. um, how Venice is such a source, uh, infinite source of ideas. Yeah. Of, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did, did, um, we have... Because Philip and and uh, Philip and David Hewson and I, we have this um, conversation at the Libria Studium. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know, I know you had the, this beautiful presentation. I'm sorry I missed it, but... Uh, mm-hmm. Whatever, it's available but, uh, on, on Facebook still. The oh, Libra, that's good. Oh, okay. The Libria Studium um, Facebook page. Oh, the, okay, I'll have a look at it. It's still there. Um, and it was it was very it was great. I mean, you know, two very good friends, both of whom, uh, both of whose novels I uh, I greatly enjoy. Um, and fortunately, we're all writing very different kinds of novels. Well, so it's good. Fortunately, fortunately, you are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fortunately, that's good. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, and but both of them said, well, David was saying that you know he he comes to Venice and he just walks around the city and he, he he's all just wherever he goes he gets he has ideas for for you know ten from years the, so to speak. That's not good. I don't really. I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> scared now. I'm meeting him. If he every every corner is he sees murders, it's gonna be scary now. <laughs> Now we were talking with uh, uh, Philip, and yeah. we were saying that maybe one particular thing about Venice is also the lighting. In mm-hmm. the night, yeah, uh, it's just a different kind of atmosphere from any other city. It is the lighting. I mean, the dark alleys, uh, like Venice has, but it's particularly, I don't know, suffused lighting where there is in the mm-hmm. city is nowhere else in the world. Yeah, yeah. And the reflection from the water and so on is just Absolutely. so. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I got to say, I'm a huge fan of Don't Look Now. <laughs> Even though I never managed to watch it all as a as a whole, because that's well, so I, scary. I, Philip and I have had many arguments. Well, not I. <laughs> we we've discussed it on on Facebook. Um, we had Facebook discussions because I uh, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Don't Look Now. <laughs> really, I think he's the only I found he's the only decent. Is the only not decent? Is the only 
film that I really like set in Venice. That's interesting, no, because my, my feeling is that it's not entirely true to Venice, because Ven Venice, in the, when you know it, isn't scary. No, I know that. <laughs> no, no, but, you know, from, yeah, but it is the only one I mm -hmm. find that didn't go and alter the, uh, you know, going from A to B, uh, make you, I don't know, they didn't picture so there it are, as a, there are a few postcard. There are yeah, a few but it's not like a postcard, yeah. you know what I'm saying? No, it's not a postcard. No, 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 it, yeah. no it's certainly, I think it's, it's, it is, it's, it has many virtues. I mean, it's filmed, um, cinematically in terms of actual the visual effects, I think it's, 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 it's brilliant. Mm -mm. But I just subject to the fact that it doesn't make sense. Ah, okay, <laughs> but okay, but there are so many other films that we can start talking down, going down. But well, listen, there but, are many know, other things that yeah, many that the film don't that make makes sense. You know, the, the, the horrific moment at the end certainly makes you jump you know, <laughs> when, when you watch it in the cinema. It's it's very effective. Yeah. But then you think, you know, but why? Really? Who? Who is this guy? What is? <laughs> I, but saying that so, from the point of view of a photographic is amazing. I mean, I got to say, yeah, yeah. and I love it because there are no special effects that uh, I just, no. as I repeat, I never managed to watch it all as uh, from a, from beginning to the end because I find it too, way too scary. But mm -hmm. as you say, it's true. When you walk in Venice, though, it's, it's true. You don't feel scared. I mean, I always yeah. say to people when they, you know, if I have uh, ladies traveling by themselves, say, look, you can walk at three o'clock in the morning in Venice. Yeah, and yeah. the only thing I'm scared is rats because every so often <laughs> right, you yeah. see them but yeah. um yeah. that very rarely i felt uh, i mean i don't know if now things are changing but i don't know i think because venice is if you're if you are not let's say if you're poor it's definitely not a city you can live on no, <laughs> so no, okay. i think that's the reason why probably yeah, yeah. you know and uh so so anyway um so we're waiting for the new book now uh okay. We're waiting for the museum. Gosh, mm -hmm. we're waiting for lots of things, Gregory, here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I realize> <laughs> but have you ever thought about maybe trying to find a Venetian publisher? Um, you mean pu pu for publishing, publishing in English? In, in, the, well, in English and in Italian. Um, well, you know, the problem is with the... There's the whole question of how much it costs to translate. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, uh, can't you cannot translate it yourself? No, your I can't wife? translate myself. I, I cannot write it. You know, I, I, when people can't ask, you ask your wife to translate you, it for you? <laughs> she's a very busy woman. <laughs> I don't think you'll end up having to pay her for it. <laughs> um, uh, you know, because people ask me sometimes, "Do you write in Italian?" And I say, "You know, only if I." But I say to myself, "I, I say." I find it difficult enough to write in English. You know, so, yeah, so writing in Italian is no, is a no go. Oh um, gosh. I honestly think that you know, um, I don't know. Do you do you write? Do you are you have you translated your own book into Italian into English? Uh, yeah, yeah, I translated it myself. Well, I think, well congratulations. And I mean, then I, I sent I it off. Yeah, that's the only. That's only that is a small book, but also yeah. because it would have cost me. That's the only reason why my publisher said I'll publish it in Italian because he didn't right. have to pay for exactly, a translator. Exactly. But, but then I was very I, lucky that a well, very very good friend of mine. She's um, she used to be an editor in America. Do you remember? Right. I even wrote to you and asked you. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, do you remember yeah, about yeah, the yeah, punctuations yeah. and yeah. stuff where we had a little bit of a discussion of mm -hmm. that with my friend? But she very kindly had a look at it. But she said to me, to be honest with you, apart from that and a couple of things that she, 
mm-hmm. they were in Venetians, they weren't even in Italian. Um, right. She said to me that um, I did quite a good job. You know, it's a small book anyway. It's not, yeah, it's yeah. not you know. No, no, I'm, I'm I think if, he, if I had I'm to translate something along the line of uh, Lord of the Rings, I would have problems too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's not the same. But, I, but I've got to say, I prefer to write in English than in Italian, funny oh, That's interesting, that's interesting. No, uh, I, I never reached know. that stage, you know, I mean, I speak Italian all the time, etc. but it's, I'm always aware that it's, it's not my language, it's, it's my second language. Yeah, me yeah. too, but when it comes down to write, I find oh, it easier, even, yeah. I know I make mistakes, but uh-huh. for uh-huh. me, it comes easier to write in English uh-huh. than in that's Italian, yeah. because, you know, Italian is always sometimes so... Mm-hmm flowery <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know so constructed I yeah. just uh, I don't know I just find the English a bit more um mm-hmm. you know sometimes when in, in, in Italian I'm reading things and I have to read three times what I'm reading because the, the sentence is so long that I lost track of what right, right, right. it was at the beginning you know uh, <laughs> but I mean, if you, if you don't have to write like that in Italian, you know, you 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 can decide. But uh, if if you write proper, well, uh, you don't, but you should because if you're a pro, you know, that's what we're trying to say that nowadays people are writing shorter and shorter sentences, oh. and we're getting away from the real Italian. So I feel very uh-huh. bad, you know. And then you have to remember we are in Venice where everybody <laughs> scrutinizes you. So mm-hmm. you know, got to be careful. Got mm-hmm. to be careful. <laughs> so after the museum after the book what's your next plans then have you got anything else uh, any other projects um well i i got more books i want to write certainly okay that's (laughs) good um uh museum the museum will keep us busy because once the museum is open you know that we're then going to have to it's going to be as i say the center of the byron society so we're going to have Mm -hmm. to continually organize events conferences talks and i think that will be exciting that's good that's good one last thing i want to ask you that i asked uh, uh, philip yesterday as well what's he what's it like for a foreign person to live in venice um and since you've been here 41 years you're not foreigner anymore but i mean I, I, i i love it i consider i'm i'm very a very privileged person to have had this um experience mm-hmm. um, i'm aware that yes i am privileged because you know um my wife and i we we have a house we um uh we've got jobs etc but for young people i can see well you know thinking of my own sons mm-hmm. uh, neither of whom is now living in venice okay uh, would they would both like to be They're, they're able to live in Venice mm-hmm. um, but you know it's as you said it's simply too expensive um, yes uh, this is the big problem mm-hmm. and Venice has changed uh, so much in the 40 years I've been here obviously mm-hmm. architecturally etc it's exactly the same yeah. but just the sheer numbers of visitors um, mm. you know I, I remember you know 20 years ago October was uh, that you think Venice sort of returned to the Venetians? You know, I know Venice. it was dead. Do you but remember? But now it's still high season. It's Don't still- tell me about it. I yeah. mean, I, I was walking around the other day and thinking, what's going on here? Yes, exactly. You know, it's- is there, yeah, you know, is there a marathon today or something? Or I know. That's, I mean, <laughs> now it was, it wasn't even a Sunday, it was during the yeah. week I couldn't get on. Mm-hmm. On the Vaporetto. No, I, I couldn't, I, this afternoon, I couldn't get on the Vaporetto at the Giardini because of all, oh my the, God. all the people coming out of the Biennale. 
Wow. So, so wow. I, I walked onto the Arsenal and got about there. Yeah, yeah I, I think as, uh, yeah, but I noticed uh, even 10 years ago, it wasn't so bad. I think it's, uh, I don't know, it's just, uh, yeah, I had the same feeling. I, yeah. I think I can pinpoint it as well. I think possibly that. there's the fact that, you know, for two years, nobody was traveling. And so everybody, mm. all those people who didn't come to Venice have decided to come now. Yeah, I think it's the same. But the trouble is, I was saying with other people, are they the right people? I'm not so sure. Uh, that's why that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this uh, series yeah. of talks, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. because I have a feeling that uh, for so many, you know, for the last three or four years, um, it wasn't done anything to actually trying to educate the people to do Venice in a different way. And we're right. still there. Yeah. We're still there. Yeah, but yeah. No, yeah. Nobody's yeah. doing anything. So, but mm -hmm. people ask me because when they come over, Mm -hmm. I've, I had, a, you know, I was lucky a few days ago. I met people that were here for 10 days. That's for mm -hmm. Venice is wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to ask me to do so many experiences. They wanted to do rowing. They wanted to do cooking. They wanted to do, uh, right, uh, right, yeah. you know, yeah. they wanted to do things. So mm -hmm. the requests that are there is just, I don't think there is a, a system by which. Yeah, exactly. To help the people. city. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you do the research, you do find your neuron. Mm -hmm. But there should be a system where it's the city that promotes, like other cities do. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, today I was watching somebody, because I'm finally going to America in January, finally. Oh, right. So mm -hmm. my friend sent me a, a, a little show video of the city where I'm going to, where I'm going to stay with her, done. And we're talking about, it's Chattanooga. We're not talking oh, right. about a big, uh, you know, see, <laughs> we're not talking about New York or yeah, Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah. Chattanooga, okay. Mm -hmm. But we did a, a three-minute video. That was so interesting. I was like, oh my God, I want to go, I want to go. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But showing all the different things that you can do. Mm -hmm. And Venice I suppose one of the problems is, is that Venice knows they don't have to do videos to get to attract people to come. And that is the problem. Venice just thinks you know, they're going to yeah. come anyway. So, yeah, you know, or certain why. type of videos. Or yeah. if you want to do certain type of videos, if you want to be in it, you've got to pay for it. That's mm -hmm. the problem. But uh, the mm -hmm. Venetian attitude is always uh, you want to be in it, you pay for it. Yeah. That you know, can be a bit um, mm -hmm. you know, tricky. Well, Gregory, what can I say? Where, oh, by the way, where can people find you online? Um, there's, I've got a website, gregorydowling.com. It's very simple. Good. Um, I'm on Twitter and I'm on, um, and I have an author's page on Facebook. Good. I think good. I'm Gregory Dowling one on Twitter. So. Okay, good. And uh, oh, and I'm on Instagram as well. So. Oh, you're on Instagram? Oh my God, okay. I didn't know um, you were on Instagram. Okay. Yeah, I don't post. I don't post very much on it. I mean, not like, for example, my my son has become a. An influencer. Okay, okay. Two seconds about your son. Uh, he is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's gone so good at it. He's really good. <laughs> You'd be very glad. I mean, he's had one video that's been seen eight million times. Oh my know? god! Do you realize I'm? Not... <laughs> oh my god! That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. who I should in, uh, interview. Never mind you. Absolutely <laughs> no. That I think you should. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. does he live now? He lives in um he lives in in London, but he's okay. coming to Venice for two months. Um, oh, okay. Uh, November and December. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Oh, I might I might just uh, put it down. Uh, you know, that mm. would be well. He definitely gets my ratings up if I <laughs> if I interview him. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't need me. I need him. <laughs> I mean, I have another son, Christopher, who lives in Bologna, and he's but he's not so. Um, 
he's not a, an Instagram poster. He's a yeah. he's a more retired, not retired. Um, let's say more private person. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Gregory, it was so nice talking to you again. You, and yeah. um, I was saying to Philip, you free or should organize a thriller festival in Venice. That that would be yeah yeah. 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 Um, and since I'm going to interview Marco Vidal soon, I might just nudge him about it mm-hmm. and see. Okay. No, and then no, I, no. I'll be happy to be the organizer. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. We, <laughs> you know no, me. Not, not many people want to be organizers. So if you, no, I think it know. will be a great listen. There's uh, Venice uh, events mm-hmm. everywhere for everything. This mm-hmm. will be at least that kind of event that will bring a certain type of people to the city. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know. Mm, yeah. No, you there know. are certainly enough writers who have, you know, thriller writers who, yeah. That, that would, yeah, would, you, and you get, if you get a series of uh, bookshops. The one we, person I think we, you know, we would, we would want to have, but we probably won't have is Donna Leon. Because I, I don't, know, I don't know. Think she does these sort of events. But, yeah, uh, well. But there you go. Yeah. But there's a lot of other uh, that we mm. can ask. It's not yeah. a problem, and with mm. Italians too. There's a lot of absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, loads no. of it. I mean, and, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, have you ever Roberto read? Tirabowski, I think, would be. Uh, would and and David Busato, have you read uh, some of his no, stuff? No, I haven't read. No, I haven't. Oh, no. he's really good. He's okay. and he's you know he's an archaeologist, so right. you do know that when he writes about uh, history and stuff, uh, mm-hmm. he's he's an historian and archaeologist, so he's pretty much on the. <laughs> Oh, right, okay. when it comes okay. down to writing those things but it's very nice i got some I'll of his get all of his thanks yeah okay speak to you soon and thank you again for being okay. on the episode thank you so okay. much thank you very much monica thanks okay bye-bye a big thank you to Gregory for chatting to us tonight. Uh, you can find Gregory at www.gregorydowling.com and on Twitter as gregorydowlin1. Thank you again for listening. If you want to book a food tour or a cooking experience with me, you can find me on my blog www.monicacesarato.com or at cookingvenice.com and also on all social medias with the handle at Monica Cesarato and at cookingvenice. Feel free to leave a comment or write to info at monicacesarato.com for more information about the people featuring the podcast or Venice. Bye-bye! Sentire Media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.